Sermon 34 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. And as for fornication and all manner of uncleanness or covetousness, let them not once be named among you, as becometh saints. Nor ribaldry, nor foolish talk, nor jesting, which are not convenient things, but rather thanksgiving. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, or unclean person, or covetous body, which is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Forasmuch as we see our life is subject to many miseries, and as soon as we have escaped one danger, another comes in the neck of it, we ought to take the better heed to ourselves. Then, if a man have a care of his life, he will bethink him how to fence himself both against cold and against heat, and against all other inconveniences, and again, he will take heed that no mischance happen to his house by making fire in it, and as he goeth abroad, he is always thinking upon the adversities that are wont to befall men. But we should begin at the other end, namely, that there are a hundred times more dangers within us than we see without us. For the devil hath many wiles to wind us in, and a number of vices to make war against us. Therefore it standeth us on hand to watch, or else, when we have overcome one vice, it will be easy for another to steal upon us, and to take us unawares. For he that shall have abstained from open force shall be tempted to defraud his neighbour by covert policy, and he that despiseth the goods of this world shall have some other infirmity in him. For some be given to whoredom, some to gluttony and superfluity, and other some to gaming and play. To be short, besides that every of us is disposed naturally to wickedness and sin, there is not that man which hath not an infinite sort of enemies to fight against. For, as I said, we be not only inclined to some one evil by nature, but to so great a number that even they which are most virtuous shall find themselves surprised at all hands. And therefore it standeth us so much the more on hand to mark the exhortations that are contained here. St. Paul hath told us of many vices already, and showed us the means to encounter them and to put them to flight. Now he addeth whoredom on the one side, covetousness on the other, and foolish talk, that is, full of vain bibble-babble. We would think it were enough for us to have been warned in one word to walk godlily, but, as I have touched already, let us consider a little on which side the devil is wont to assault men. For when he hath once laid his battery, if he cannot compass his purpose, he beginneth new again, and when he hath given a skirmish on the right side, he comes again to the left, and one while before, and another while behind, and always he findeth some gap open into us. That is one thing which we have to mark upon the exhortations that are made here. Now let us come to St. Paul's speaking of fornication and all uncleanness. Forasmuch as it is a vice that all men do over-easily bear with all in themselves, Therefore he warneth us that it is not enough for every one of us to abstain from actual whoredom, but we must also consider that God, in commanding us to be chaste and undefiled, meaneth that we should be well fenced against all the enticements whereby Satan might beguile us. There are then some kinds of whoredom or whorishness which are not made account of among men, but yet they shall not fail to be condemned before God. For this cause, St. Paul thought it not enough to tell us that we must be chaste in respect of our bodies, but he addeth that all uncleanness or filthiness ought to be far from us, and likewise he matcheth covetousness with it. It is true that they be two far diverse vices, for a whoremonger will commonly be prodigal, and whereas he had been well and thrifty before, he will forget himself, so as he will waste away all, 
St. Paul's intent was not to make articles of difference between vice and vice, neither was it needful. Therefore it was enough for him to show after how many sorts the devil might beguile us, if we keep not good watch, and shut the gate against him, and also prevent him, and descry the dangers wherein we be, to the end that practice what he can, he may always find us so guarded under the fear of God, as he may have no entrance unto us. Moreover he addeth afterward, filthiness or uncomeliness, for when men take leave to be wanton, surely all ribaldry will have full scope. As, for example, if wantonness and other foolish things be permitted, as dancing and such other things, men will say at the first that they may well be born withal, so there be no worse. But let men once bear and suffer dancing, masking, mummeries, and such like dung, and out of doubt the devil will have a fling at them, and it cannot by any means be lettered, but that all will be marred. That is the cause why St. Paul, in forbidding whoredom, addeth also all manner of ribaldry, or unhonesty, and by and by therewithal fond talk, for a body would take it to be no great harm if a man should jest and dally with a maid or a wife, and prattle of a number of things, but, as I said, they be all of them allurements of Satan, and if it be suffered it cannot be, but the maid must be made a harlot, though she were the honestest woman in the world. That, in effect, is the thing which we have to bear in mind." And he thinks it not enough to say that God's children must abstain from covetousness and whoredom, and from the things that come near unto them. But to the intent we may abhor them all the more, he saith, let them not be once named among you. It is not without cause that he saith so, for, as I have said already, and as shall be declared more fully hereafter, as touching covetousness, it will be thought to be a virtue when a man worketh and scrapeth together on all sides. Oh, that is a good thrifty fellow, men clap their hands at him, men soothe him, and although they count him but as a thief, and a robber, and a cutthroat, yet notwithstanding, so he have goods, everybody will think he doeth well to maintain himself with such as be in credit. Lo, how men are flattered in their covetousness! And again, as concerning whoredom, we see that if God's word cried not out upon that vice continually without ceasing, it would be set at liberty, and every man would dispense with himself, so as there would be no more honesty among men. St. Paul, therefore, perceiving it to be so hard a thing to keep men from them, saith that not so much as the very names of them ought to be suffered to have their course, but that they ought to be driven from among us. And indeed, if there be any plague in a town, every man will keep himself so close in his house and be afraid to go abroad where any peril is. To be short, men will be wary enough to keep themselves close that the disease catch them not. Yea, and general commandment also shall be given to keep the streets clean, that the air be not infected by them, and to take away the things that may feed or increase the mischief. But in the meanwhile these deadly plagues assail us, and yet notwithstanding every man holds on his way still, and it should seem that we would fain be poisoned with them. Howbeit this warning ought not to be unprofitable for us, where St. Paul forbiddeth us to name whoredom. True it is that that word must needs be in use still, for St. Paul standeth not upon that ceremony. And, indeed, God saith expressly in his law, Thou shalt not commit adultery. He thinketh it not enough to forbid whoredom, but to the intent we should abhor it the more. He showeth us what an enormity the breaking of the faith between man and wife is. God then nameth whoredom in that text, and so doth St. Paul name it here also, and that is not to contrary one another, but to do us to understand that we should not talk of it in jest or sport, as men are wont to do. For that is but a further inbrewing of men with that vice, so as they might not mislike it any more. We see that when there is talking of all ungodliness, and leave is given 
to use loose speech, every man will give himself to it, so as custom will go for law, and men will take whoredom to be lawful. Finally, we have to mark that St. Paul's intent was not to speak of the bare names of whoredom and covetousness, for if a man say to a whoremonger, What, thou playest the whoremaster, he will deny it, and say, I did but dally, and play the wanton. As much will these naughty packs do, which give over themselves unto it. But there is neither whoremonger nor harlot, which abhorreth not the name of whoredom. And why? For they see it is a filthy thing, and that it is as much as if a man should set them upon a scaffold to be ashamed to all the world. St. Paul therefore spake not of the bare name of whoredom. As much is to be said of the name of covetousness. What talk ye of covetousness? It sounds ill-favourably, and no man will be known that he is attainted with covetousness. They will rather make such excuses as these. I have charge of wife and children, and why is it not lawful for me to seek sustenance for them? Again, should I not have a care for hereafter, that I may set them in some good stay? Covetousness hath such store of excuses, that it is coloured and varnished with them, and the term hath such visors put upon it, that it is taken well near for a virtue. But St. Paul meant not that men should only forbear the bare names, which might make the vices themselves abhorred and hated, but he would rather that whoredom should be named as a villainous thing, and that men should understand that a whore-hunter cutteth himself off from the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, banisheth himself from the kingdom of heaven, and is cursed before God and his angels. Those are things that must be known. And again, that a covetous person is an idolater, and forsaketh God, that he is as a damned soul, and a confounder of all right and equity, that he is possessed of the devil, and a tormentor to himself. Those are the things which it standeth us on hand to know, and whereof we cannot speak too much. But we know what the manner of them is, which are desirous to take all liberty, for all their delight is to sharpen their wits to tell merry tales, saying, I remember me of such a thing, and such a thing that was done in my time. Yea, and they will not stick to report what they have heard of their grandfathers before they themselves were born into the world. And if there were any ribaldry or unthriftiness in their doings, that will they lay open. And to what end? To the end that everybody should be desirous to inquire of such filthiness. Thus are snares laid to catch us withal, whensoever the devil shall have one so much at our hands. Ye see then, that the things which St. Paul meant are the pleasant tales that are told to make the men merry, to the intent not only that every man should delight in whoredom, and be no more ashamed to give themselves over to all lewdness, but also take it as a lawful thing, so as there may be common speeches of it, and it may be made a table-talk at all feasts, and an ordinary communication in the streets and everywhere else. Yea, and we see that such as have any journey or travel, I mean even the poor people, cannot solace themselves in their labour without offending God by intermingling always of some fond tales. And to what end serve they? Even to harden men's hearts, that they may think with themselves, every man is at the same point, no marvel, though lechery be made so heinous a matter, behold how such a man behaveth himself, and such a one also. And when vices can once be made common, and then to their seeming the goal is one on their side. Now for that cause St. Paul saith, that they must not once be named among us. And likewise doth he say of covetousness, for every man takes it for a virtue, if he can pill and poll all his life long, and never leave raking of other men's goods to him by fraud and extortion. Yea, and men have a delight to follow them, and to say, Oh, such a man of mine acquaintance could well skill to use such a practice and such a trick. True it is that covetous folks will not speak so of them whom they malice, for they will say, 
That villain, he doth nothing else but catch and scrape on all sides. There is no trust in him, he is cruel and churlish, and to be short, every of them spiteth at his fellow. And so ye see how the covetous sort do rail one upon another. But when a covetous person intendeth to confirm himself in his naughtiness, and to harden himself in it, and to cover his faults, he will say, It is meet that a man should be forecasting. I knew such a one, and such a one, that came forward by that means. He was a poor fellow, and had nothing. But he hath behaved himself in such wise, that he hath hoarded up well. And how? Marry, he had good policy, and if any man fell into his hands, he left his hair behind him, if he left not his skin and all. Thus do covetous folks shroud themselves in spoiling men, under pretense of good thriftiness, as they term it, that is to say, under pilling and polling, and such other like things. Therefore we see how needful this exhortation of St. Paul's is, where he saith that all vices must be shut out of their doors, and that if any man speak of them, we must abhor him, and not make a jesting matter of them among us, for fear, lest we be attainted with them. And we must mark also that which he addeth of all wantonness and foolish or fond talk. For, as I said afore, it is certain that whoredom must needs grow lawful among men when they suffer such provocations and occasions of naughtiness, for it is all one as if a man would wilfully give over himself to Satan. Therefore let us take heed to ourselves and drive the enemy far from us, and let us be sure that where such lightness and lewdness have full scope, by and by there must needs be a brothelry or stew set up, and not in some one corner of a city or town, but over all, so as no place shall be clean, as experience showeth too much. But yet would not men be willing to see it so? Every man complains nowadays that there is no more chastity in the world, and is it any wonder? For the time hath been that there was some honesty and soberness to be seen in married women, but now they count it a virtue to be more than mannish, and to be brazen-faced, and utterly shameless. And why? Will men say that a woman is chaste if she be not well tried? Oh, no, no. Come who will, says she, if these roisters fall to dallying with me, tush, I can tell well enough how to send them away, they shall well find to whom they speak, for I wot how to answer them. Thus will a harlot play the chaste wife, as though she were a mirror of all honesty, and yet in the meanwhile she will stand at the barriers like a man of arms, against all comers that will hold talk with her of lewdness and ribaldry. Now therefore let us mark well what St. Paul telleth us here, for women have been suffered a long time to be so unmeasurable bold, and besides wanton talk there are also very garish attires, that it is very hard to discern whether they be men or women. They must have every day new deckings and trimmings, and every day some new disguised fashion or other. They make them great cartwheels like peacock's tails, that a man cannot pass within three foot of them, but he shall feel, as it were, a windmill sail flasking by him. Again they have their ribaldry songs mingled with it. Now what chastity can there be, where it is so driven away and banished by force, and on the contrary part the trumpets sound on all sides that everybody should give over themselves to superfluity and garishness, and seek nothing else but to plunge themselves over head and ears in it. So then let us mark well, that when there is such disorder both in gestures and in countenances, and in talk and in dancing, and in all like fondness, and in all vanities and looseness, it is all one, as if a man should cut trenches from a river to convey the water to him. For whereas a river runneth his ordinary course, if a man cut the stream off and draw it on the other side, must it not needs have his course that way? 
Then, if men fall to corrupting of the world after that fashion, as indeed it is one of the cunning tricks that the devil hath used a long time, must not all needs go to havoc and be utterly past recovery? Yes, and therefore let us mark well what is said unto us here. For when we hear these jesters say, What a God's name! Men shall shortly be at the point that they may not laugh and be merry. Dancing is forbidden. It shall not be lawful for folk to talk together. A good fellow may be so bold as to come in company with a man's daughter to talk unto her of love matters. If a man do but speak to a wife, though it be but in sport, by and by it shall be turned to a crime, and in the end what will come of it, when there shall be such stoiness and sternness in the world? When men speak after that manner, it is all one as if they proclaim themselves to be the devil's proctors and advocates, to infect and poison the whole world, that there might be nothing but looseness, and that whoredom and ribaldry might reign in such liberty as men might no more think it to be sin. That, in effect, is the thing that we have to bear in mind. Herewithal St. Paul saith that it becometh well the saints, and that is to show that there ought to be no disputing nor replying, but that vices should be condemned sharply. For whereunto doth God call us? To that point we must come. Truly, if any man say, men are frail, and alas, if they might not be so bold as to cast their eye aside to give a pleasant look, but they should be condemned for it. I say, if man's frailty might be construed so, truly that vice would either be utterly lessened, or else made half excusable. But let us come to our own state." God knoweth our infirmities, but he will not have us to welter in them, for he hath vouchsafed to dedicate us to his service. Now let us see if we can make these loose behaviours and all these follies, which are but Satan's allurements, as I have said afore, to agree with the word holiness. What is meant by holiness? It is as much to say as we must be shoaled out to offer ourselves unto God, that he may enjoy us and wield us, so as we may be wholly his, and to be short, be no more attainted and sullied with the filthiness of the world. If holiness import all this, and that it must be in us, or else we shall not be God's children, it is not for us to plead any more in defence of ribaldry, that it might be taken but for a light fault. St. Paul therefore bringeth us back to the honour that God doeth us, as if he should say that, if it seem over strange and hard unto us, to refrain from the vanities wherein the world delighteth so much, and wherein men think even their life to consist, insomuch that the unbelievers think not themselves to be alive, unless they may delight themselves with foolish and wanton dalliance, but that they do but linger and pine away when we be provoked to the like things. We must consider what honour God hath done us in vouchsafing to dedicate us to his obedience. For what are we by nature? What is there in us? Even from our mother's womb we bring nothing but disorder, we be cursed, we be saped in sin, and, to be short, from top to toe there is not any peace in us which is not given to evil. All our members are instruments of sin, neither eyes nor ears, neither mouth, feet, nor hands are exempted. Forasmuch then as we be full of all uncleanness through sin, and yet for all that God hath now plucked us back from it, is it not reason that we should be dedicated unto him, seeing he calleth us to holiness? And ought not this honourable title to restrain us from taking such unbridled liberty as every of us could find in his heart to take in following his own lusts? To be short, St. Paul meant to show us here how we may fight against our wicked lusts, for if we follow our own nature, surely though some man be not inclined to lechery, yet shall he have other vices, yea, and we have all vices in us, but that we be restrained by God's bridle, and yet doth every man beguile himself on his own behalf. Now, what is to be done? 
We must not spare ourselves, but rather fight against ourselves. Let us not be dismayed, though the devil be so subtle, and we so tender and so easy to be soon shaken down, but let us consider how God calleth us to the contrary. And what is that? To be holy in him. The thing, therefore, that St. Paul meant to say in the first place is that he armeth us by setting before us the state whereunto God hath vouchsafed to call us through his goodness to the intent that every man should gather strength and not give any way to Satan, but that although we be sore laid at, yet we should not yield him the victory, because God hath chosen us unto all cleanness. And after he hath drawn us, so by gentleness he doth also set down an horrible menace, and which ought to make the hairs to stand up upon our heads, and thereby we see how God endeavoureth to win us to him by all means. When he saith, You be saints or holy ones, therein God useth sweetness and gentleness, as if he should say, My children, bethink yourselves, for I have not created you to live at all adventure in this world, but I have therewithal adopted you to the intent to call you to the heavenly heritage. Now then, seeing I have redeemed you with the blood of my Son, and given you my Spirit to dwell in you, to the end you should be my temples, and I be worshipped there. Will you now go and give yourselves to all lewdness again, and instead of being my temples, become styes for swine, and suffer your affections to be as dirt and dung, to defile you withal, and fall to wallowing again in the mire, after ye have been washed and made clean? If ye will be my children, hold ye in the plight that I have set you. After this manner doth God proceed with us, to draw us to him, as though he did, as he would say, half flatter us. And on the other side, because he sees us cold, and that we abuse his patience, and are not touched to the quick with his grace when he uttereth it, but follow still our own lusts, he threateneth us like a father who, perceiving his child to be unruly, and not of so free disposition as to be one at the first, saith thus unto him, Wotest thou what? Though I have cockered thee, and suffered much at thy hand, yet must thou behave thyself otherwise, and play the good child towards me, or else go to the devil. If thou wilt needs continue still in thy naughtiness, get thee to the gallows, for I am not a father that will suffer myself to be so mocked without redressing of it. After this manner will a father endeavour to keep his child in his good favour, if it be possible, but if he see that it boot not, he falleth to threatening and chiding of him, and all to break that stubborn heart of his, if he can. Even so dealeth God with us, and therein we see what care he hath of our welfare, as I said afore. St. Paul, therefore, after he hath told us that we be saints, addeth that no covetous person, nor lecherer, nor no unclean man, shall enter into the kingdom of God, nor have any part of the heritage that is purchased for us. This threatening, as I said, ought to scare us all, or else we be too blockish. What a thing is it that we should be bereft of God's kingdom? And by the way, we must mark well the words that he useth, for he saith that we shall not possess the kingdom of God and of Christ. Not that they be two diverse kingdoms, but to express the better how that inheritance belongeth unto us, namely not by birthright, nor yet by our own purchase, but by free gift. The kingdom of God, then, is the heavenly life and all our whole happiness. For out of God what can we have but all unhappiness? Therefore, if we be banished out of God's kingdom, we must needs be plunged in all misery. But it is expressly said to be the kingdom of Christ, and why? Because it was purchased us by his blood, and also because we be now restored again to the state from whence we were fallen in our father Adam. Again, we know that the inheritance is given us in our Lord Jesus Christ, to the intent that we, being his members and adopted of God by his means, should also be partakers of that which is peculiar to him. In the first to the Hebrews he is called the heir of all things, and is that to shell us utterly out? 
No, but because we cannot otherwise be taken for God's children but by being incorporated into the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom all belongeth. Now then, if we should be rejected of God, if we should be cut off from all the benefits which have been purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ, and that this should come to pass through our own unthankfulness, alas, should we not be too too blockish? Yea, and for the better, expressing thereof, St. Paul useth the word heritage or inheritance, as if he should say, If ye were heirs of God's kingdom from your mother's womb, consider how great a grief it ought to be unto you to be set beside it. But now understand you that the kingdom of God is communicated unto you by our Lord Jesus Christ, because he hath purchased it for you, and made you his brethren and fellows. And understand ye besides that it is because God hath adopted you freely, and yet you have it not by birthright, neither can ye say that it is your own, otherwise than by free gift. Now then, seeing it is a state of inheritance, will ye be so lewd as to lose such a benefit when it is offered you? Shall God invite you so graciously to his glory? Shall he offer you all the joy and happiness of the kingdom of heaven? Shall he match you with his own son, and by that means make you to possess all the good things that you can wish? And shall all this be nothing worth to you, but that you will needs hold scorn of it and refuse it? How can Satan so far overmaster you? We see then how St. Paul meant to waken us here earnestly by all means, to the intent that if we cannot be drawn wholly unto God by love, at least wise yet threatening may do us some good, and move us to yield that our desires may by that means be bridled, and our lusts not overflow so outrageously, but that since God showeth himself our judge, we may at least wise refrain to resist him, for that is all one, as if we would openly run rushing against him. Seeing that he with his own holy mouth hath avowed us to be banished from the kingdom of heaven, if we notwithstanding do make none account of the things that he telleth us, what a dealing is that? Furthermore, whereas St. Paul saith that neither whoremongers nor covetous men nor unclean persons shall enter into the kingdom of God, he meaneth not that all such as have offended and done amiss are rejected of God. For who is he that can say, He is clear of all the vices that are rehearsed here? But he meaneth the whoremongers, covetous persons, and loose livers that take pleasure in their lusts, and are hardened in them, and are so settled in the filthiness of them, as there is not any more fear of God in them to hold them back. We hear what he saith to the Corinthians, where, having made a greater bedroll of the same and other vices, where, having made a greater bedroll of the same and other vices, and having first uttered the like sentence, telling them that all such as are given to those vices shall never come in the kingdom of God, he saith, and such have you been. He showeth that the faithful also had been stained with the like corruptions. But ye be washed and made clean, saith he, ye be sanctified by God's Holy Spirit, and through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. As if he should say, by nature ye were miserable, and folk given to all lewdness. The willingness and desire that you have now to serve God came not of yourselves, but of God's drawing of you unto him, that whereas you were erst as wild beasts, he hath brought you unto his obedience, whereas ye were foul and unclean. He hath washed you with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and whereas ye were unholy, he hath made you holy by his Holy Ghost. And therefore, fall not to wallowing and plunging of yourselves again into uncleanness. Thus the true meaning of those words is, in effect, that the wicked and such as lead an awless and lawless life, that is to say, such as fight not against their lusts, but delight in naughtiness, shall never come into the kingdom of God. For first of all, if the faithful be not renewed at their birth by the Spirit of God, they be stained with all the sins whereunto mankind is subject. Yea, and we see some that are wholly given unto them. And albeit that our Lord 
have wrought in us by his Holy Spirit, it doth not therefore follow that we be so well reformed at the first day, as there is no more evil in us. For we must be fain to keep continual battle through repentance all our life long. And repentance should take no place, if we felt not sin dwelling still within us. Therefore it sufficeth that it reign not in us, as St. Paul exhorteth us in the sixth to the Romans. There St. Paul telleth them, to whom he speaketh, that if they look upon their former life, they must needs be ashamed, because they were so strayed away, that they had forgotten God and all virtue and honesty. Ye cannot, saith he, remember what ye were before ye were converted to the belief of the gospel, but ye must needs cast down your eyes with great shame. And yet notwithstanding he telleth them that sin must not now reign in our mortal bodies, although it dwell there still. Indeed, it were to be wished that there were no sin dwelling in us, and that we were all like the angels of heaven. But St. Paul, knowing well that we cannot attain to that so long as we dwell in this world, and until we have put off our corruption and be dispatched of this transitory life, willeth us yet at least wise that sin should not reign in us. So then, although we be stained with many vices, yet let us so fight against them that they may not become heinous crimes, as though we rebelled against God, but continue only as infirmities, so as we beseech God to forgive us them quite and clean, acknowledging that we have need to obtain mercy daily, accordingly, as it is not without cause, that he teacheth us to ask forgiveness of our sins. And so ye see how that saying is to be understood. Now furthermore, St. Paul addeth, as we have seen already to the Galatians, that covetous folks are idolaters. Truly, this matter were well worthy to be discoursed more at length, and there is nothing spoken of it which may not be spoken again. Howbeit, forasmuch as in handling the epistle to the Galatians, I declare there why St. Paul calleth covetous folks idolaters, it shall suffice to touch the pith of the matter in few words. For as touching other vices, they do indeed make us to forget God. What are the inordinate lusts of our flesh, each one of them but idols? For every man is harried away after the things that he desireth, so as he setteth all his heart and mind upon them, and forgetteth God. Therefore it may well be said that all wicked lusts are idols that impeach the majesty of God, and provoke us to strive against him, yea, and to shake off his yoke, and to betake ourselves unto Satan. Nevertheless, covetousness is justly called idolatry, because it is certain that when a man doth once give himself thereunto, he setteth his whole felicity therein. He is not like a glutton, who hath some remorse and shame of his naughtiness, nor like a drunkard, a whoremonger, or a blasphemer. For there is yet some shamefacedness in them. And why? Because they cannot so blind men, but that they will speak shame of them for it. And although the whole world clap their hands at them, and knew no wit of their lewdness, yet shall they themselves be enforced to have some heart-biting. Ye see then that all such as offend God, any other way whatsoever it be, shall yet be held in awe by some fear, and have some remnant of discretion left in them to say, I do amiss, and how much soever they soothe themselves and fall asleep, yea, and even utterly harden themselves, yet shall they be compelled to feel some pricking within. But the covetous man doth so rejoice in his doings that he thinks not himself faulty, neither before God nor before man, but, which more is, glorieth in his wickedness. For when he hath fleeced one and robbed another of his goods, and deceived one and snared or entrapped another, thereupon, when he casteth up his account, he will say, Blessed be God that hath prospered me so well, insomuch that ye shall hear the greatest cousiners in the world say, Thanked be God, I have made a good hand today, I have sped well this month, I have gone well forward this year. And yet for all that, if they enter into their own hearts and sift them thoroughly, they shall find there that all was but thievery, extortion, craft, and deceit. 
Howbeit the devil hath so stopped their eyes, that they have no more discretion nor conscience to say this is evil done. For so much then as covetous folk are at that point, that they have no more fear of God to stay them and hold them back, therefore are they termed idolaters. But this is not all the mischief, there is yet a worse point, which is that they set all their felicity in their riches, and do so forget themselves as they think there can no harm happen to them, wherethrough they be puffed up with such pride, that they thrust God a hundred leagues off from them, as the proverb saith. And therefore it is not for naught that St. Paul exhorteth the rich men of this world not to trust to their goods, nor to exalt themselves for them. He saith that purposely because they have so great opinion of their riches that they fear not God, but rather utterly forget Him. Ye see then that the covetous folk abuse their riches by setting their whole heart upon them, which notwithstanding is forbidden them, by the prophet in the psalm, and by weltering in such wise in them, that to their own seeming they have their paradise here already. And therefore this cursed disposition and insatiable lust of covetousness, which maketh all men both drunken and blind, is justly named idolatry, and likewise all the root of all evil, because the covetous man seeks always his own avails, and whether it be by hook or by crook, by murder or by treason, by perjury or by poisoning, or by whatsoever means else, all is one to him, so as he may compass his desire. Thence spring so many troubles and contentions, and so much bloodshed through the world, that some are poisoned, and other some have their throats cut. There is none other cause but this insatiable grippleness of covetousness. True it is that ambition and whoredom and such other like vices draw a sort of foul inconveniences after them, but yet doth not that discharge the covetous sort from being attainted with the same. So then, let us mark well, that St. Paul, speaking of covetousness, doth justly say that it doth so subdue us to Satan, as it maketh us to forget God, and make us so brutish as we stand no more in fear of God, nor have any remorse of conscience, and so puff us up with pride, as God seemeth to be nothing with us, but we yield the honour of the living God unto our gold, silver, and riches." and that is so rank treason that there is a good cause why we be made to abhor it here as we see by that which the holy ghost speaketh of it by the mouth of the apostle now let us fall down before the majesty of our good god with acknowledgment of our faults praying him to make us feel them with true repentance that being grieved and heartily sorry for them we may so sorrow for our offending of him and for our straying from the way of salvation as we may seek nothing but to dedicate ourselves wholly unto him that he may daily cut off whatsoever corruption is in us, and make us forsake the world, as the end whereto we were redeemed and cleansed by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the meanwhile vouchsafe to bear with our infirmities, and to rid us of them continually more and more, until he have taken us out of this world, to join us to himself in all righteousness and holiness, that it may please him to grant this grace not only to us, but also to all people and nations of the earth, etc. End of sermon 34.